On today's edition of the Locked On Nets podcast, Josh and I reveal our number one moment from the 2019-20 season, and we also talk about what a historic offseason this was. All that and more coming up on Locked On Nets. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. There's a pretty consensus uh, consensus number one here. It was a game that I was just kind of gushing over after the Nets uh, got that victory this year. It was the uh, Karis LeVert-led comeback in overtime, Nets scoring 50-plus points in, in the fourth quarter. LeVert with a career-high 51 uh, in the, uh, was, it first, was it the first game of the Jacques tenure? Oh, or no, it was right before that. It was still with Kenny. Um, over the hated Boston Celtics, um, Marcus, just, I mean, let's just talk about how phenomenal this was. Yeah. I mean, the Celtics are the team that I dislike the most in the NBA. Um, and granted this game, they were without Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward left at halftime after a knee injury, but even still like the Celtics were even without those guys, probably a better team, maybe slightly better. They were at home. They built that huge lead. Uh, in the first half and throughout the third quarter. Uh, and then they kind of just gave it away. Like Kenny had put the the subs back in. You know, it was Chioza, it was Karuks who were out there. Uh, but then he inserted Karras and Lavert just kind of got red hot. Uh, he scored 37 of those 51 points in the fourth quarter and overtime. Uh, and in overtime, he scored all 11 of the Nets points. And just remembering like how crazy that final stretch was because like, the Nets came most of the way back, but then they were still down by three. The Celtics had the ball with just a couple seconds left, and Kuroks forced a dump ball with Kemba Walker. Uh, the Nets won the tip, called timeout, uh, with 1.4 seconds left, and then it took uh, Lavert drawing like a three-shot foul on Marcus Smart with 0.2 seconds left and making all three free throws to even get the game to overtime. So like, as as like the the final margin wound up being like. Uh, the Nets won by nine because they kind of dominated the, they dominated the overtime and they were dominating the fourth quarter, but they were down by so much that it still took like some impossible plays, some impossible shots from Lavert and like some crazy hustle from a lot of the the other guys to to make this comeback happen. Yeah, I mean, this was like this was a magical performance by him. He could have even had more because he was twelve of eighteen from the line. And, like Nets were down were down by seventeen points entering the fourth quarter. And you think, hey, Boston's a team at home. Uh, they are extremely well coached. They can close people out. You're going up against the Nets, who basically at this point, the roster is like an island of misfit toys. They lost four in a row, including the game before, or two games before, an embarrassing 20-plus point loss against Atlanta. Uh, I think this is when the wheels were kind of in motion about Kenny getting fired because it seemed like he had lost a decent portion of the team um, and things were looking kind of pretty dire. Obviously, you had Levert showing some signs of really nice scoring outbursts before this, including uh, what he did against Washington a few games prior and some other nice performances. But this was like a whole nother level. He basically did a Kyrie Irving impersonation, just getting to the line, hitting threes, doing everything in between. Um, he was a one-man band for the Nets. He was un- like, there's been times where he's had a nice game, Dinwiddie's had a nice game, and you're not sure who's, it's usually going to go to Dinwiddie in the last final seconds. This was unquestionably, Levert was running the show. The Nets were going to live and die by him. And he came through in the fourth quarter and then uh, put the Celtics away easily in overtime for 
just a thrilling win reminiscent of what they were able to do in the 18-19 season. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned the the huge lead. At one point, it was 71-50 to 50 Celtics in the third quarter, and I looked at ESPN's little win probability chart. They gave the Celtics a 99.1% chance of winning the game, uh, which did not happen. Uh, and like you said, Josh, this was definitely like a turning point uh, for Levert, and it felt like it was going to be a turning point for the team. Like uh, To end the season, they won four out of five, including those three straight uh, culminating in that Laker win. Uh, they were definitely in a good spot heading into that Warrior game uh, on that Thursday, the day after the season was uh, postponed. So I don't know. It felt like they had momentum, and this was definitely uh, the game that turned things around coming off a four-game losing streak, looking like it was going to be extended to five, like you mentioned, uh, even though they did kind of turn it around and win this game and win the uh, Spurs game. They were blown out by Memphis in between those, and it was like not enough to save Kenny's job. But I do think that the team had started to come together and it started to click and that Levert especially had made kind of a leap into another tier. And it, it was just really unfortunate that the season got suspended uh, at all, but especially when it did, just because I really wanted to see him that last month of the season kind of be the number one guy on this team uh, with Dinwiddie filling like a number two role, maybe uh, like leading the second units a lot of times, but still kind of starting alongside him. Uh, I was looking forward to seeing that, uh, and unfortunately, we did not get to. Yeah, I mean, this is like a perfect kind of culmination of what Levert did post-All-Star break, because think about how down we were on him, especially me, before that. But then 11 games post-All-Star break, 24 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 39% from 3 on uh, 7 attempts a game. And you're now you're thinking, hey, this guy really could maybe be a number 3 option, a number 2 option maybe on a good team. Uh, how does he fit with KD and Kyrie? And he, I mean, right now the Nets are kind of thinking of him as a core piece, but if he doesn't have that resurgence, I don't know if they are. I think they're probably thinking, what can we get for Levert? Let's try to find some pieces that fit together a bit more naturally. Um, we'll keep Dinwiddie because we know that he can be a really reliable third scorer, and we need that um, because we have two guys ahead of him in the pecking order who are really injury-prone. We need someone who can sop up usage. But now Levert just kind of played his way into remaining in the core almost with um, not only that good stretch of games, but really that iconic performance showing that he can be uh, a guy that can just single-handedly win you a game against a good team. Yeah, it's tough with him because like the sample size has really like never been big enough. It seems like every time he puts together a few good games, either he gets hurt or the season gets suspended or it's like that playoff series against Philly where it's really just like only five games and then they're out. So there's never really been like an extended stretch, which like makes it even more frustrating because I felt like we were maybe going to finally get that. Yeah, no, for sure. It, I mean, it's been it's only play, he's played 207 games in uh, in four seasons, and that's just not the sample size you need to make a determination about uh, where someone's going to go moving forward. So um, for his sake and also for the sake of the Nets and just information purposes for the league in general, it will be great to see him stay healthy. Yeah, and I, I do, to your point also, uh, about fit with KD and Kyrie, I do think he is going to be part of the team. I don't expect them to trade him at this point. Durant tweeted after that game, that 50 was beautiful, Vert. Thank you for that masterpiece. And of course, uh, Josh, I, I think you and I have maybe talked about this on the pod, that uh, doesn't Levert have the nickname uh, Baby Durant on his basketball yeah. references? Yeah. yeah, so, you know... <laughs> 
But okay. it's a big thread. Who's actually killing him? But yeah, technically he's a baby Durant. Yeah, I don't know if anyone's ever called him that, but uh, it's on there. So, you know. All, all basketball reference nicknames are gospel as we... Uh, <laughs> Josh, there's one moment that we didn't talk about because it wasn't really in the season, but I feel like it has to be mentioned, which was just the fact that they signed Kyrie and KD. Like, that didn't happen during the actual season, but if you're, like, counting it as, like, this league year kind of, like, that's definitely the moment to me that, like, has to be mentioned and is like a moment where I'll like always remember where I was when I found out and just like how shocking it was. It kind of seemed like it all came together in that day. But like in hindsight, everyone is, has kind of said like, yeah, they were never really going to the Knicks. Like there's a lot of like maybe rewriting history and just kind of uh, making things come off a way that maybe certain people want them to. Uh, but the fact that they signed those two guys uh, is probably what this year will be remembered for unless something crazy happens where they bring back the season and, and the Nets want some kind of run. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think that's kind of consensus. Uh, number one moment in the Nets ecosystem. Uh, if you just look at kind of the, uh, the calendar season or whatever it is, um, because like that's such an iconic moment. And I think especially with free agents, free agent signings, like the Nets, I've always let, I've always kind of prepared myself for disappointment. So I don't even get excited about these things. So, Yes, it was like, okay, Kyrie's looking really good. Um, that seems like it's basically a done deal, so we're going to swap him out for D'Lo, basically, and get a nice upgrade there. Uh, but then when the KD thing happened, like, I, I just can never picture someone like Kevin Durant, top 10 player of all time, in my opinion, coming to the Nets and like choosing Brooklyn and thinking he can build something here, uh, another championship team for him to get his kind of first championship um, that wouldn't be kind of... Uh, scarred by him leaving OKC for the Warriors. So just that moment, as you mentioned, I remember exactly where I was. It's iconic uh, and uh, definitely will always be the warmest moment of my heart in my heart when it comes to some of the stuff that's happened in the Nets universe over these last uh, 12 months or so. Yeah, where were you, Josh? Because we weren't together. I know I was uh, playing basketball actually with Gavin and uh, our friend Jeremy came up because he was joining us kind of late, and he was just like, the Nets signed Kevin Durant, and I was, did not believe him. Uh, but then we all checked our phones, and it was true. But I don't actually remember. Where were you, or what were you doing? Do you remember? Yeah, I was in uh, I was in line at Trader Joe's. <laughs> just checking out. Very Brooklyn of you. Yeah, I know. Very Brooklyn of me in, uh, in Manhattan. So just checking out with all my, my vegetables, um, all, all the good stuff. I had some fruit, the peanut butter cups that I love there. Uh, the seltzer, the free samples, and uh, and another bonus for me as I checked out was the Kevin Durant's um, going to the Nets. So that made uh, that made everything worth it, and more than a lifetime, better than a lifetime supply of groceries at TJ's. <laughs> for sure, I'm, I like can't wait for basketball to come back, not just in general, but also to see like what this Nets team can finally look like once they're all healthy. For sure, uh, you and me both. Thank you all for listening on today's episode. Um, we will be back in your ears shortly. Hope you enjoyed this. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNets. I am at JMS underscore. Marcus is at Marcus Barahal. The podcast, uh, please rate us, review us, subscribe to us. Wherever you get your podcasts, we will be there. Check out all of our friends over on the Lockdown Network. A lot of exciting things coming up. 
including the NFL draft. If you want to hear uh, how other teams in the NBA are thinking about their favorite moments from the season, I strongly urge you to check out those. And until next time, be well. Bye.